Welcome everyone to the SCORE Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at The Score, and today's episode is presented by Subway's $6 Barbecue Pulled Pork Mighty Melt Combo. Try it today. On today's show, we're wrapping up our season preview series. We've already gone over quarterbacks with Jason Moore, running backs with Mike Tagliere, and wide receivers with Jake Seal. You can go back and listen to all those episodes. We have another great guest today to go over tight ends with us. We're going to talk about breakouts and busts and sleepers, and we're even going to give you the tight ends who are going to lead your fantasy team to a title this season. You got to listen to that. Before we get to that stuff, though, we're going to go over just a couple news and notes from around the fantasy community, some interesting things that we want to touch on. So let's bring our guest in. We can get right to it here. It's Pat Darty of Roto World. You can find him on Twitter at RotoPat. Pat, thanks for coming back. Always my pleasure. And, uh, you know, I've got 32 drafts down, only 48 more to go. So I'm uh, really in the, the home stretch here of drafting season. My wife and two young children, uh, basically seems like daddy's doing a lot of fantasy drafts. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm enjoying it, but yeah, I will, uh, we'll be glad to move on from, uh, having a, an obligation every single night of the week here soon. So, well, you learn the value of like the, the locked door in the house, right? You gotta have, <laughs> yes. if you have the office, like I have the office in the house. You gotta lock that door sometimes this time. Dude, I've had my three-year-old daughter has burst in on a podcast before, so. Well, we might be lucky today. Maybe it'll happen. No, the door is locked now. That was a lesson learned. Um, (laughs) And that that made for like a cute moment. But uh, still, yeah, it's a cute moment. I don't really need to replicate. So um, the door is now always locked. All right. Well, let's jump into the news and notes here. We've seen all the rookie running backs have their preseason debuts by now. Uh, Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery, Miles Sanders, even some of the guys who weren't getting as much hype maybe. I had a couple higher in my rankings ever since they got drafted just based on their opportunities, but guys like Justice Hill, Devin Singletary, or even Darwin Thompson with the Chiefs. So Pat, I'm going to put it like this to you. Which of the rookie backs are you most hoping to come away with in fantasy drafts this season? Well, it really depends on like what day of the week it is. I feel like there's uh, an abnormal <laughs> amount of trendy rookie, rookie running backs this year. You know, there's always two or three this year. It feels like it's like six or seven. Uh, amongst that top tier, I mean, I love Miles Sanders and Dynasty so much. He was like my number one target in Dynasty leagues this offseason. Uh, still going to be very redraft valuable um, this year, but... I think for redraft, I have to go David Montgomery. Even though it's ADP now, he's like now kind of officially in RB2 land. Like you're not going to really get any discount on him anymore. But basically his Bears career began with Matt Nagy comparing him to Kareem Hunt. You know, like coaches typically when they draft a rookie, they do everything they can to kind of tamp down expectations, downplay expectations. Uh, they, They have done the exact opposite with David Montgomery. So they started by comparing him to Kareem Hunt. And it's basically like uh, accelerated from there. Like they haven't stopped hyping him. They haven't stopped hinting at a big role. And yet you're not going to get a discount on David Montgomery. But I, I do agree with David Montgomery going as a low end RB two. And amongst that top tier, uh, he's the guy I want out of like him and Miles Sanders and Josh Jacobs. I love Montgomery too. He's not my pick for this one, but I do hope I get him at least a few places. And around that three four turn. 
he's just an excellent pick coming out. He seems like in the preseason here, he's getting away in the pros with a lot of the things that made him successful in college, right? He's still breaking a lot of tackles. He's catching passes. There was some concern, you know, he's a bit of a slower guy. He's not as athletic. There was some concern that maybe that wouldn't translate completely. So far, it it seems like it is. And I like Montgomery a lot. And maybe I should be picking one of the top running backs for this question because we know they're going to get the opportunity. But when I'm picking in that range, there are other running backs that I'm still interested in. Mark Ingram, Chris Carson. I would take both those guys over Josh Jacobs, over David I Montgomery. I, I, uh, just a quick aside, I am obsessed with Mark Ingram this summer. Okay, good. Uh, so, yeah. Finally, I don't feel like enough people are talking about him. I don't. To me, I feel like we're all kind of sleeping on someone who could be leading the most run-heavy offense since the 70s. It's kind of my short takeaway on Mark Ingram. So uh, not to derail the podcast with 10 minutes of Mark Ingram talk, but uh, I could we not could definitely more. do it. Absolutely. We could. I'm sure we could. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've also been getting uh, Miles Sanders just because he's going a couple rounds later. I'll take a shot on him as well in the sixth or so. But for this question, the guy that I feel most upset about if I don't get him is actually Darwin Thompson. And that's because in that range of the draft uh, a little later on, there's not that many guys that have a direct path to a starting job, right? Devin Singletary is somebody we just mentioned. He does. But that Bills offense, that rushing attack might not be as fruitful for fantasy, right? Josh Allen's there. He's going to run the ball quite a bit. He gets involved in the goal line as well. For Darwin Thompson, though, I still think Damian Williams is going to be the starter. I think he's going to be the lead back at the beginning of the year. I think Thompson's shown enough that he's going to have a role in that offense. And Damian Williams isn't a household name, right? Damian Williams isn't like an Alvin Kamara or something where we're sure that he is going to have that job all throughout the season. There is a chance that Darwin Thompson could usurp him at some point in the year. Thompson's shown everything you want to see from him so far, catching passes, playing with power, inviting that contact from defenders. There's a shot that at some point this season, if Damian Williams isn't getting it done, Darwin Thompson might get a chance to. Andy Reid's been talking him up after the way he's performed in the early preseason games here. So Thompson is someone that I really hope I can get around that, you know, 9th, 10th, 11th round right now. Yeah, I love Thompson too. He entered the league with some intrigue and it's basically like you – put uh, very eloquently is kind of like immediately shown why uh, he was kind of a hyped player. And uh, like, like you laid out for many reasons. Uh, I might actually be talking about Damian Williams uh, later in the podcast, spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's a great spot for Damian Thompson it, it, or for Darwin Thompson. It is what, what is still a reasonable ADP. So I, I, I agree uh, with, with Darwin as a, a later rookie target. And I will say you can't really go wrong with having any of those rookies on your roster, right? They all no. have quite a bit of upside in 2019. So I think making sure that you come away with one or two. I know I, I did a, a post recently where I took, I was sort of going through draft strategy and I think I ended up with like four of the rookie running backs on my team. Most of them were the later round guys. And someone asked me, are you worried about having that many rookie running backs? I'm not worried at all because if one or two of them hit, it, picking in the later rounds like that, you're going to be in great shape. Yeah, it's just definitely kind of like I said, like shaping up as like another year of the rookie running back. And yeah, I wanted to real quick reiterate like another point you made about David Montgomery earlier where he really is similar to Cream Hunt and that his athletic hole is kind of like greater than the sum of its parts. Like you said, there are parts of him on paper that, you know, don't stand out. There are red flags. But so far in college, he was like Cream Hunt where he overperformed as measurable, so to speak. And I think he can definitely do that again in the pros. 
I want to talk about a couple of quarterbacks now. A couple guys who haven't shown as well during the preseason here, and some people are getting a little bit concerned about it. And quarterback is such a deep fantasy position. There's so many quality options that I want to ask you about a quarterback who is pretty deep down my rankings. He already was deep down my rankings. Now I've moved him to the bottom of that quarterback two range. It's Jimmy Garoppolo. We've seen some pretty poor play from him in the preseason. We've heard about some even worse play in practice. (laughs) I know he's likely not going to be drafted at this point, unless you're talking about two quarterback leagues. But from a football standpoint, just in general, do you think it's time that we should start worrying about Garoppolo actually being able to emerge as the franchise quarterback that the 49ers have kind of hoped that he'd be and kind of paid him to be? Speaking just to this summer, I'm not concerned yet. Uh, You know, the takeaway for us has, of course, been the shaky practice reports, which were out there even before the disastrous preseason performance last weekend. Uh, So, you know, that's it's kind of hard, you know, not to buy into that, not to be concerned by that. But uh, the 49ers' takeaway has basically been that he's healthy. Uh, John Lynch said earlier this week that his, his physical recovery has been flawless. And there have been some practice reports that maybe he's not stepping into his surgically repaired knee yet. And maybe he's still, you know, kind of the cliche knocking off the rust, just like learning to trust his knee again. So in terms of, I think he will round into form uh, the Jimmy G uh, we think we know. But as you kind of alluded to, the thing is, we we don't really know Jimmy G. And he, even in his brief, when he was starting four games for the Patriots years ago, you know, he injured his shoulder. And so we basically have a track record of someone who's played parts of three seasons and has gotten hurt in two of them. He got hurt his shoulder with the Patriots, hurt his knee last year. It was really great, that five-game stretch in uh, 2017. But see, we just don't know. Uh, but in fantasy, you know, you don't really have to work because it's not like he does – like you said, he barely – he did, basically doesn't even have an ADP anymore. Uh, if you're worried about Jimmy Garoppolo, it's maybe more through the lens of, like, his supporting cast, the people we want to like, like Dante Pettis, like Matt Breda. Um, but Jimmy G, I, I think this is kind of just uh, – this is kind of just a player rounding back into form, and I th- and it's kind of just a foolproof offense for a quarterback, and I, I think he's talented enough. I think he has a special trait in his quick release. I don't think he's going to lose that quick release uh, just because he tore his ACL, and maybe he'll get off to a slow start this season, but I, I'm not worried about Jimmy G uh, performing well as long as he's on the field, but there are valid concerns about whether he can stay on the field uh, you know, for an entire 16-game season. For me, like I mentioned, there's just so many quarterbacks that I like in those late rounds, especially the rushing QBs, right? The guys that have that top 10 upside and and a bit higher of a floor, like Lamar Jackson and Mitch Trubisky and Josh Allen. Uh, We've seen all those guys put up uh, solid weeks uh, last year. I really like Sam Darnold, too. I think Sam Darnold's a guy who, who could be a breakout or a sleeper candidate this season. I am worried about Garoppolo, and I guess maybe a little bit more than you. Coming back from that torn ACL might have thrown off his development in general, you know, and they're saying he is healthy, but, you know, missing last season, coming back in now, you have a guy like Nick Mullins who played pretty well last season down the stretch, and if Garoppolo struggles, wouldn't shock me if they do go to one of the other guys, I think it would be Mullins, because we know, like you said, that Shanahan offense, that offense can produce, they just need that steady quarterback play. And Mullins, I don't think, is a better quarterback than Jimmy G, but he might be more comfortable in that system right now, just based on having last year and then the full offseason, which, you know, a little more than Garoppolo's had just based on the injury. So I have Garoppolo now below those guys I mentioned earlier. I also have him below 
guys I'm not that high on, like Tom Brady and Kirk Cousins and Phillip Rivers, who are all, you know, mid to low end QB2s for me. So I don't have that much confidence in Garoppolo as a fantasy asset this season. And I, I just, I think fantasy drafters right now have it right that he should go undrafted. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with that he should go undrafted, even though I'm still... Have, I've always been kind of a, a Jimmy Garoppolo fan, and you know, so even though I still have optimism, though, I agree. Like it's perfectly fine letting him go undrafted. I mean, if he gets off to a hot start, then great. Then you have someone to add on the waiver wire. Uh, but yeah, right now, I, I agree with him. Beginning the season is kind of a streaming only option just because you know every year we say quarterback is as deep as it's ever been, and this year it is definitely as deep as, as it as it has ever been. Where it's arguably 25, 26 deep, at least in terms of players who might have some fantasy relevance. So yeah, you can let Jimmy, you can let, if you're a huge Jimmy Garoppolo fan, let him go undrafted. And if he has a big game or two, you can worry about it then. But yeah, right now I agree with not using a a draft pick on him. Well, we got another quarterback we got to talk about who also had a bad outing in the second preseason games, Kyler Murray, a lot of high hopes for Murray in fantasy. Number one overall pick has those dual threat skills had similar numbers to Baker Mayfield after taking over for Mayfield in college. And week one of the preseason came out, looked accurate, looked poised, looked pretty good. Week two, offensive line really let him down, and it was a bit of a disaster. And, you know, Twitter kind of really gave it to him that week. So I know you tweeted out at one point, I saw that you need Murray to be good. I'm not sure if that was jokes or not, but are you concerned about him as a fantasy asset now? So I'm concerned in that I have him on almost every team. Uh, I am. uh, (laughs) It's weird, you know, as a quote unquote fantasy expert, something usually a potential mistake you would not make would be going all in on one quarterback. You know, usually just let the draft board come to you. Uh, but I have been going for Kyler Murray, and I'm not concerned. So they've already said, you know, a lot of teams say this, but they've already said they're keeping the lid on their offense this preseason, and it's more just kind of about getting him comfortable, getting like even just like a, a base level feel. You know, working on stuff like even you know the snap, which I guess they have kinks to work out on the snap because uh, he was penalized twice for improper snapping in that preseason game, but. The offensive line is a concern, but he's got obviously a much greater skill set than Josh Rosen does to overcome a shaky offensive line. And and it's my view on Kyler Murray is that we all know the dual threat quarterbacks are kind of a cheat code in fantasy. And how rare is it that a dual threat prospect? So at first, I think he's maybe the most special dual threat prospect since Michael Vick, uh, at least since Robert Griffin III. And to me, it's just like basically finding a unicorn when you have a dual threat quarterback who's coming in the league to an extreme high-volume passing offense. So not only will he be running, but we actually know that, unlike Lamar Jackson, unlike Josh Allen, like he is guaranteed high passing volume. So to me, it's very famous last words type of thing, but Kyler Murray is almost a foolproof fantasy prospect. It would take a lot more than four or five uh, shaky preseason drives uh, to shake me out of that opinion, basically. I agree. So much of what we do is about probabilities, right? About, you know, what are the odds of him having a great season? What are the odds of him having a bad season that first year? And with Murray, I've said this already, but you're talking about a guy who could have a season. He's not going to throw 50 touchdowns, but he could have one of those Patrick Mahomes, Peyton Manning-like fantasy seasons where he just goes out and rushes for a thousand yards and has the volume in the passing game and really puts up a monster year and is this huge difference maker could even finish as the QB one overall like that is within his range of outcomes this season I do think though there is some level of concern it hasn't changed for me based on that week two performance 
there was always concern. He's a rookie coming in, and sometimes rookies struggle a little more. Are there going to be games where he doesn't look as great? For sure there's going to be, right? That's obviously going to happen for him. So we're projecting his talent. We're projecting the offense he's in. And like you said, you're talking about a guy who's the number one overall pick, who's coming in with such a great pedigree. The upside is definitely there. And I like picking quarterbacks, you know, the the eighth round or later. And when I do, I want a guy who has top five upside. There's no reason to play it safe at quarterback with how many quarterbacks there are this year that, that could be good for fantasy. So Murray is still on that list for me of guys that have that top five upside. There's some level of concern, but nothing new based on that performance. Everything that happened in that game was stuff that we expected was a possibility. So same level of concern for me. And the whole time, I've still had him ranked as a low-end QB1, and he's going to stay there for me. I was just going to say, Kyler Murray, like you said, being the number one over quarterback is within the range of outcomes for him. Not the most likely, but it is within the range of outcomes. And like my final thought would be, even if he's not good in real life, I mean, we saw like Josh Allen was not good in real life last year. Lamar Jackson, vaguely good in real life last year. And they were basically elite fantasy quarterbacks. So even if he has those struggles, it, he could still be a just a major fantasy asset. Now, before we get to the tight end preview, Pat, I want to give you a chance to have what I'll call your Baker Mayfield moment here. So Mayfield said he can't believe the Giants picked Daniel Jones in the draft and everybody went crazy. And apparently Mayfield has called Jones to smooth things over. And (laughs) I want to ask you something similar, but for fantasy, I don't think your answer is going to get picked up by every major sports news outlet out there, but maybe, (laughs) maybe you never know. Right. So I'll frame it this way. Who's the fantasy player that you can't believe owners are drafting as high as they are this year? Most of the offseason, honestly, it was Damian Williams. And I kind of, I, I mostly stand by it. That was kind of my uh, corny tease earlier. But uh, I actually don't think I can use it. I think I have to say Daryl Henderson on the Rams, who is a very intriguing, uh, big play threat. But we're not even positive he has standalone value and if Todd Gurley does get hurt again, we're not positive he would even be the direct handcuff. It could be Malcolm Brown. And to me, Daryl Henderson is basically a, a really intriguing, high upside dynasty league asset that people are trying to turn in to an immediate redraft value. And I'm just having a lot of pro- trouble seeing it. And I, I just, I'm not convinced he's going to get enough work for standalone value. And then, like I said, I'm not convinced he's the direct handcuff to Todd Gurley. And his ADP is like basically is like a almost a borderline RB three, and to me that's just uh, totally uh, totally crazy and uh, not something I have been taking part in this summer. There's a few running backs like that out there, and I've talked about a couple in the last few episodes that I'm not as high on, like Derrick Henry and Leonard Fournette. Uh, you know, I'll go in a different direction with this though. How about Drew Brees? Drew Brees right now, last I checked, he's being drafted as the QB seven and. I know people love Breeze. Definitely still one of the better quarterbacks in the league for sure. But for fantasy, we have to worry about whether his volume is going to be there. And last year, his final 10 games, he averaged just the 14th most fantasy points among quarterbacks. And that's, it's not a knock on Breeze. He's getting older, yes, but it's because the Saints are winning in a different way now. They have a strong rushing attack. Their defense is really good. Those are the things that Breeze didn't necessarily have early in his career when he, you know, he had to throw often for five touchdowns in games for the Saints to win. Now he doesn't. And at his ADP, seventh quarterback off the board in the seventh round, there's just so many other quality players in that range, especially at wide receiver. We talked about that during the wide receiver episode. I just can't believe that people want to spend a pick that early on Breeze 
I know there's the name value there, but you could just get so much better value later in the draft. Yeah, I completely agree. I don't think Drew Brees is even a QB1. Uh, he only played 15 games last year because he sat in Week 17, but he was under 4,000 yards passing. Uh, the volume is cratered back-to-back years. Like you said, now it's a run-heavy offense. Uh, he's still an efficient deep passer, but he throws deep a lot less than he used to. I, I think with the eye test, you can his deep ball is not what it once was, and I think he's picking his spots more and kind of limiting maybe his big play potential and He's got two elite options in his supporting cast, but beyond that, it's not a very deep supporting cast. Now he does have Jared Cook as a pretty good number three, but this isn't as as stacked from a supporting cast standpoint as some of his past offenses have been. And like he's, I just think Drew Brees is a changed player, and kind of like Tom Brady, kind of like Philip Rivers, will still be probably elite from a real life perspective. But you know, this is a guy who who averaged like fifty two hundred yards over a five to six season uh, span at one point, and people are still seemingly drafting that player and that's just not who he is anymore. And I I could not agree more with your Drew Brees take. All right. It's time we can move on to tight ends. Now the most prestigious of all fantasy positions, (laughs) right? I, I only say that because I know we talked before. How did you describe it? I think you called it the, a lower wattage position, which I thought was like a very nice way of putting it. Hey, well, you're having so Denny Carter on to talk kicker soon, I'm assuming. So, uh, I mean, you have to, right? Yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's start by going over just your, your general approach to the tight end position in fantasy drafts this year. You don't have to give me specific names for this one. You can if you want, but we'll probably talk about some of them as we go here. But just your overall plan when you're attacking the tight end position. Well, my overall plan is not really taking any of the big three, the top three, because to me... Uh, we don't have to talk specific players. But my plan basically boils down to Vance McDonald. Uh, my plan boils down to getting Vance McDonald in the mid 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 rounds of fantasy drafts. And if I don't get Vance, I, I one of my general tight end strategies is kind of a lot of people don't like to draft two tight ends. A lot of times I don't mind drafting kind of more two upside tight ends and maybe playing matchups for a few weeks or just giving a few weeks to see which player kind of breaks out. And so it's not a position I usually don't uh, move a, tor- a ton of resources towards. Uh, last year, this year though, my strategy, uh, yeah, if you could put my strategy in two words, uh, it is Vance McDonald. I, I like it. He's definitely a player that I'm targeting in the middle rounds as well. And I like what you said about uh, drafting two tight ends because I find myself doing that a lot this year. There's guys like Delaney Walker and Jordan Reed. I know, you know, the injuries with Jordan Reed, Delaney Walker's coming off that really bad ankle injury, but the reports on them are pretty good, and even if you're not getting them for the full season, you could draft them and then get, like, Chris Herndon, who, because of that four-game suspension, is being taken really late right now. And then, you know, Herndon probably becomes your starter at some point in the season, and maybe you get lucky and Delaney Walker goes right back to that, you know, 800-yard tight end that he was before that injury last season. So that's something I'm doing quite a bit of. Unlike you, though, I am willing to spend some resources this season, just because I do think you get such a big positional advantage when you get these guys like Kelsey and Kittle, not so much uh, Ertz. I think he's going to take maybe a little bit of a step back this season. I still expect him to catch like 90 balls probably, but it's not going to be 116 like last year. No. Um, And there is some concern about the target share there. Is he going to get as much with Dallas Goddard coming up? And, you know, they've added some more weapons in the receiving core. So, Kelsey and Kittle are the guys that I like, especially Kittle. And you can get him normally early third, mid third, 
that's a nice spot, and I keep bringing it up in these episodes. One of the reasons why I'm actually willing to go tight end early, which is not something I normally do most years, is because there's so much value at receiver in the middle of the draft that I'm okay with finding one or two starters at receiver in the 5th, 6th, 7th. In those rounds, I think you can get guys who could be your wide receiver 2, wide receiver 3. So you can then go out, spend that that draft capital to get a Kittle or even a Kelsey, who those guys, if you translated their numbers last year to receiver, they were pretty much number one receivers, right? So I think it is worth it to, to spend up if you can, if you think you can get value later on at the other positions. But really after those two, I'm just looking for value. And if the value comes in that next tier where there's, you know, some breakout guys who we'll probably talk about in a little bit here, I'll go for it. If it's in, you know, Vance McDonald, who's going in those middle rounds, if I can get him at a good price and he doesn't get overdrafted, absolutely, he's somebody I'll take a shot on. And then if not, then I'm going to go with probably two later in the draft. And I think it's a position where you have to be really flexible during the draft this year. You can't just go in with one mindset. And really at any position, you shouldn't be doing that. You should keep yourself open to see where the value is and sort of, you know, react accordingly in the draft. In some leagues, you might already know how your league reacts. Maybe some leagues, they're already going tight end really early every single season. And you know you're going to have to maybe switch and go a little bit later this year. But I think it's a position where there's a lot of different approaches. And for me, if I'm not getting one of those top two guys, it's pure value along the way. Yeah, there's a lot of different approaches here because I just feel like it's a very hard position to tier this year. And just one thought I had during your excellent, excellent breakdown of the whole position is I really do not love Travis Kelsey's ADP, but I do love George Kittle's ADP. The reason I don't, I don't love Kelsey's ADP because you know he's, he's being drafted what like twelve to fifteen spots ahead of George Kittle, and I just don't think I don't really think there's any separation between those two players. And I don't know why Travis Kelsey gets such a premium on George Kittle when I just don't see the separation. So I, I love. I am much more willing to snag uh, George Kittle at his ADP than I have been Travis Kelsey at his ADP. But yeah, I think you just broke it's tight end's always kind of the weirdest position, but this year it's just I, I don't know how to tier tight ends. Because after the big three, so I think there's the clear top two in Kelsey and Kittle. Then I think Zach Ertz is the number three is kind of his own tier. And then beyond that, I mean, is it was it OJ Howard? Is it Evan Ingram? Is it Jared Cook? Is it People are wanting, trying to will Hunter Henry into that tier. Uh, I'm trying to will Vance McDonald into that tier. But yeah, I, I agree. It's you have to be very open minded at tight end this year, just because I feel like everyone, maybe not making it up as they go along, but everyone has their own unique approach this year. And I, I just don't think there's kind of it's not separated the way the other positions are, and just no one I feel like quite knows how to approach it this year. Well, and that puts more emphasis on trying to find the breakout candidates this season, right? So let's see if we can help. Let's see if we can help everybody do that. Definitely a few options to choose from. We've already kind of named a couple of them in passing, but which tight end, or if you want to name a couple tight ends, do you have breaking out in 2019? So I mean, he already kind of broke out last year, but to me, it is Vance McDonald. Like if anyone's going to crash that top, those top tiers from outside right now, I think it's Vance McDonald. He was already top 12 in tight end yardage last year, despite not even technically being a starter behind Jesse James. Uh, he's a big play threat at a position without many big play threats. Uh, he's in an offense with 230 leftover targets that need to replace, be replaced from last year. Uh, there's a strong case that he's going to be the number two target in uh, what's always a very high-volume passing offense. And 
I just love him as a player, and his ADP is not really gotten out of control. He's still kind of in like that tight end eight to ten range, and I just think of all those people even more than like OJ Howard or more than Evan Ingram. I think he's to me he has the profile of a player most likely to kind of crash that top three, um, and. So I've, I basically all summer I've been getting Vance McDonald in, in basically every draft. And I don't know if he counts as a breakout because he was already kind of a borderline tight end one last year. But to me, if we're talking about like leaping tiers, uh, to me, he's just the most obvious candidate to leap tiers this year. I think he definitely counts. I think the only question from that after the first two here is just, are, have you already scheduled getting the Vance McDonald tattoo or is that going to happen <laughs> after the season? Vance McDonald face tattoo, if anyone's wondering... <laughs> why I've been wearing this giant bandage on my face. I've been waiting to make an announcement on Twitter, but might might as well do it here. It is the Vance face tattoo. Uh, I got the wrong number tattooed on it first. We had to get it done over. That was pretty embarrassing. Uh, But yeah, I'll be unveiling it soon. Well, I might be cheating here because there's a guy that you mentioned there. You said you like Vance McDonald more than him. For me, he is the clear breakout guy, but he might have already broken out, depending how you want to look at it with his injury last year. It's O.J. Howard. And when you're talking about somebody who could join that top three, you like Vance. I think Howard, to me, he's the obvious choice of the guy that could step up there. Last year, before he got hurt, he had the six most fantasy points among tight ends. That was, you know, before he went on IR, which was around week 11, I believe. And up to that point, he was on pace for over 900 yards eight touchdowns, just a monster season for a tight end. What I'm really trying to say here is that he is good. He is good at football. Pro <laughs> football very... focus gave him the, the... Go ahead. No, I was just say he's amazing at football. Even, you know, even at Alabama that shined through, even when he was like barely playing, basically. He's just clearly, talk about a freak athlete at the tight end. He's just kind of like a different kind of dude for the tight end position. So I completely agree with and that. And the, the numbers back it up. Like pro football focus gave him the, the second highest all-around grade for a tight end last year. And guess who he was in between? Kittle and Kelsey. That's not bad company to keep at all, right? (laughs) And then you have uh, Adam Humphreys and Deshaun Jackson leaving in Tampa. They're gone from the offense. So now you have Howard kind of stepping up into that de facto number three option behind Mike Evans and behind Chris Godwin. So he's my tight end four. I don't know if it's fair to call him a breakout or not, but... He's got a shot to crack the top three, definitely. We might even be looking at him as an elite guy next year in drafts. I think he's somebody that might be getting taken in the first you know, three rounds or so like those other guys are now. Yeah, I completely agree. He's like a tier jumper, and his ADP has stayed reasonable. He's like in the fifth or sixth round. I think people are sometimes worried because Bruce Arians didn't uh, you know, there weren't many fantasy points scored at the tight end position for Bruce Arians in Arizona. But that, that's because Bruce Arians never had O.J. Howard in Arizona. And Bruce Arians is a smart enough coach where he has a weapon like O.J. Howard. Uh, he's going to figure out how to use him. And to me, I, w- I was almost expecting O.J. Howard's ADP to go higher. And to, to me, it's very, very reasonable in the fifth or sixth round. And, yeah, I, if you're talk- when you talk about breakout players, you're talking about somebody yeah, who's like basically taking the next step. Someone who's going to either move up a tier, or, uh, overperform their ADP, and to me, O.J. Howard's an, an obvious candidate to me, too. When what if one of those top two receivers gets hurt? We're already seeing Mike Evans isn't going to play the rest of the preseason. If something happens to one of those two guys, 
I'm not that confident that, you know, Justin Watson or Brashad Perriman, that they're going to be able to step up into like a significant role, right? I like Watson, but I don't think he's going to step up into some significant role. I think Howard would only benefit from that. So uh, we'll see. And I also think that there's going to be a decent amount of change. I think those top three tight ends are pretty set, but I think the other two spots in the top five are probably going to switch a little bit. There's specifically one player who I see falling out of that group, but I'll mention him in a second. I'll let you go first. Who do you think is going to bust at tight end this year? Maybe we have the same guy. I think we might have the same guy. Uh, Eric Ebron would be an obvious one. Absolutely. Well, I'm not even going to talk about him, though. I was going to talk about Zach Ertz, and I don't think Zach Ertz is going to bust in the true sense of the word. Where if you get Zach Ertz, you're still going to have a top three, or top four or five, probably even top three tight end. But as you alluded to earlier in the show, I mean, Zach Ertz is going to come back down to earth this year. Like, the restoring of balance to the Eagles receiver core the Eagles had a totally barren receiver core last year. And Deshaun Jackson uh, and then J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, uh, guys coming in who are going to be doing different things. Like They have a, they have a balanced receiver core again. And Zach Ertz has basically admitted he's not going to catch 110 passes again. And before last year's insane breakout, he was always kind of like a 75-catch, 800, 850-yard guy. And that's an elite fantasy tight end. Uh, I think he will still do that. But he's be, he's being drafted on it basically in the exact same range as George Kittle. And to me, there's a big difference between George Kittle and Zach Ertz this year. So I think relative to ADP, Eric Ebron's the clear one, but I think Zach Ertz has not been getting enough hype as someone who's yeah, who's going to come back down to earth, basically. And again, he's not going to bust. And like You're still going to be happy to have him on your team, but I think he's going to underperform his draft position. Well, like I said, I think he could still catch 90 balls. The area that I'm more worried about for him, if you remember like early in his career – he caught, it was the touchdowns that were the issue, right? He would catch like four touchdowns a season and that kind of prevented him at times from, you know, making that leap in fantasy. Last couple seasons, he's up around the eight touchdown range. But now with Dallas Goddard and all the guys you mentioned, right? J.J. Arcega-Whiteside's another red zone weapon. There's just all these guys around. You even have more talent in the backfield now. Yeah, So many weapons there that, that yeah. I'm worried about his red zone production. Totally. And yeah, I couldn't make the case better than you said. There's just a lot more potential touchdown scores this year. And I think we're kind of going to see Zach Ertz come back to his pre-2018 norms, which were still extremely good. But I I just think there's a clear separation to me between George Kittle and Zach Ertz, and they are not being drafted as if there's a clear separation. For my guy, we already said him. You called out his name. I got excited. Eric Ebron. (laughs) I shouldn't be excited about this, but he is just the, the obvious choice here to me. And the reason is also... The touchdown regression for him. No one expected 14 total touchdowns last year from him at all. Um, I didn't expect you know, 14 touchdowns the rest of his career uh, going into <laughs> last year. So, yeah. Well, and we expected regression to come for him, and that was before the Colts brought in Devin Funchess and drafted Paris Campbell. And, you know, before now, we kind of seems like Jack Doyle is going to be healthy for the season. There was some doubts about that. Then you have Andrew Luck and his early season availability in doubt. The odds of Ebron seeing 110 targets again are very, very slim with that competition and with the the luck thing. And even with that offense running the ball more, they're so successful behind that offensive line that no matter who's at quarterback, I think they're going to run the ball a little more this season. So I see Ebron as much more of a low-end tight end one than he was, you know, the top five guy that he was last year. And I will say, you know, last season, I had a bold prediction before the year that Ebron was going to score double-digit touchdowns, 
Oh and gosh. I bring that up because <laughs> I bring that up because I got it right, obviously, and we're not going to talk about all the ones that I didn't hit on, of course. But um, last year, I was all about Ebron. I saw him stepping up and being that de facto number two receiver. Well, he doesn't need to be that guy anymore. So he's going to need to score double digit touchdowns again in order to get to that range. And I don't think you can bank on that. Yeah, you just can't. And I will say the public has been fairly responsible with their Eric Ebron drafting. They have faded him to kind of that more mid-range, kind of like tight end seven, tight end eight territory. But I agree. I think he should just be faded even further. He's basically kind of a borderline tight end one to me. So I will say you got to give props to the public that they're not drafting him as like the tight end four or five. But yeah, I think his ADP uh, still has room for further deflation, in my opinion. Well, and last year, even though he was like a well-known name from his time in Detroit, he was really a sleeper going into last season, right? People weren't really on him uh, before the season started as much, at least not that he could finish, you know, where he did. So let's talk about this year's sleepers. Let's find who this year's, you know, Eric Ebron's going to be potentially. Uh, who do you think's being overlooked? And sleeper is a very tough thing to define. I say this every single episode. You know, some people think it has to be somebody, you know, completely from out of nowhere. Others, you know, I kind of look at it as someone who's just being overlooked, even if they're a name that we already know. If they're being overlooked, they're going in the late rounds, something like that. I still think they qualify as a sleeper, as long as you're not picking, you know, a top five guy or something, which sadly we have seen some sites do that. But uh, who do you think's getting overlooked this year? I think overlooked is just the perfect word for this guy. And I'll say Trey Burton. Uh, there's kind of, there's kind of like a, the takeaway from the, like the prevailing emotion for a season last year was kind of bust because he was so hyped going into the season. But in most formats, he finished as like the tight end eight or nine. Uh, you know, by no means was it like an, an electric season, uh, but he was like a perfectly fine low end tight end one. And he's kind of now been faded out. Uh, it's like almost like mid range tight end two uh, territory. And, there haven't been uh, new weapons added really to that offense. Uh, the Bears' defense is going to regress. Mitchell Trubisky is probably going to have to throw more. And I, just, I think people feel so burned by Trey Burton not quite living up to their expectations last year that just no one wants to draft him, where to me he's still a tight end one, a lower end tight end one. But I, I think people have just kind of uh, yeah, taken, taken, a, taken a little too personal, basically, that Trey Burton didn't quite deliver on – what were admittedly like super lofty preseason expectations last year. So to me, to it me that's was a bad per- year for tight ends, but he, he Very. still had a pretty good season. Yeah. Like I don't totally get that one. I know there was, you know, he had surgery and stuff, but I don't totally get why people are so down on Burton. I had him on at least one title team last year. So that tells you he wasn't so <laughs> bad. Uh, I'll say Mark Andrews for this. I know he's not entirely a sleeper cause he has gotten some buzz, but he's going to share time with Nick Boyle and Hayden Hurst. Okay. But he's constantly getting positive reviews out of Ravens practices. And he did some things as a rookie that only the best of the best tend to do. He was one of 15 rookie tight ends to average at least eight yards per target since the year 2000. And he was one of seven tight ends to average at least two yards per route over the past two years. Both those stats are courtesy of uh, Action Network's Ian Harditz. Very impressive stuff from Andrews. He was a a top 10 fantasy tight end over the final six contests last year, and that was at a time when the Ravens just weren't throwing that much, right? Lamar Jackson had come in. They had that run-heavy approach. Jackson was only throwing the ball 22 times per game, and Andrews was still managing to put up some pretty good numbers. So basically at that point, 
he was the only real threat in the passing game, at least from a consistency standpoint. This year, they have brought in a couple more guys. Maybe a guy like Miles Boykin can step up in the receiving core and, and fill some of that role. But I think they're going to have to throw a little more. I think they want to throw a bit more this year. And if Andrews keeps shining in practice, we could see him crack the top 10 at a tight end as a sophomore this year. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, like he was basically the only guy to establish a rapport with Lamar Jackson last year. And by all accounts, it has carried over to the summer. And I, I, I yeah, his ADP seems soft to me. I completely agree with your case there. And the only thing I'll correct you on now is uh, that is Roto World's Ian Harditz. He's coming to Roto World. Um, My bad. I'm <laughs> yeah. sorry. Well, per, good thing we had you here to correct that. I forgot <laughs> that he just made the switch over. Yeah. Now, yeah. When he wrote that, though, he was still the Action Network. So that's a uh, fair game there. Uh, those amazing stats. Those belong, belong to the Action Network. But yeah, Ian Harditz coming to RotoWorld.com for the 2019 NFL season. He's great with a ton of different stats, but he has been bang on with some of that tight end stuff during yeah, this offseason. So a good get for you guys. Yeah, we're really glad. He's really, really talented. We're glad to have him. Ian Hart, it's definitely not a deep sleeper. Are there any deep sleepers <laughs> that you want to talk about at tight end, though? Well, if we're going truly deep here. Uh, of course, you could say Darren Waller, but that's he's kind of like the known deep sleeper. Yeah. Uh, I might say, I can't, hopefully he's healthy. I, I, right before I started telling this guy, I was worried that maybe he was injured and I forgot. But to me, I view Ian Thomas in uh, Carolina as kind of a nice deep sleeper at the tight end position because we, uh, the the recent history suggests Greg Olson is not going to be able to stay healthy. And Ian Thomas uh, always been an intriguing young player. Uh, got a little bit of a rapport with Cam Newton last year. And basically, if Greg Olson gets hurt again, uh, basically had zero Ian Thomas buzz this summer. And to me, he's a great – you're not, you're not going to draft him. But uh, someone basically that I'm immediately putting on kind of my watch lists for the beginning of the season. And if I see Greg Olson going down again, I'd be, I don't know if excited is the right word, but I would be open to adding Ian Thomas. Yeah, and I'd be willing to put a, a decent bid on him for sure at that point. If Greg Olson goes down and it's the foot injuries, right? The foot injuries in older players, they could be really problematic. We saw it pop up again for Olson last year. Definitely could happen again this season. And Thomas seems like a pretty good heir apparent there. And was good down the stretch. And I'm going to go with a guy who was also good down the stretch. Blake Jarwin. Everybody's focused on Jason Witten coming back. He's like 100 years old. He's not going to be a full-time player. Jarwin looked good down the stretch last year. He had a 7-catch, 119-yard, 3-touchdown performance in Week 17. Had a couple other notable fantasy stat lines, too, down the stretch. 7 for 56, 4 for 45 in another game. If Witten doesn't find the fountain of youth, I don't think he's going to. I think we're going to see Jarwin take over that starting job at some point this season. I think it's going to happen sooner rather than later. I, I love it. And yeah, I mean, Jason Witten, you know, he, he kind of gets like the un, undead zombie uh, credit. And he does he does deserve credit for that. But uh, I mean, he, we're talking about a guy who's almost 40 who just did, didn't play for an entire year. And we're also talking about a Cowboys offense. And I'm expecting to kind of be more creative this year, kind of coming out of the Stone Age. Uh, with the new offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore. So I, I think that's a great, great pick. And uh, I totally see uh, your, your line of reasoning there. And I should say, you know, 100 years old in tight end years, right? Because yeah. <laughs> it, it also would make me about 100 years old as well if I said that. So I, I better clarify that one. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I'm still – in Jason Witten years, I'm still only – I'm 33. That means I'm 14 in Jason Witten years. So I've got a lot of life ahead of me still. That's very good. Nice. All right, let's finish off with the biggest question of the day here. Who is the one tight end that's going to lead fantasy owners to a title this season? 
I, I truly, I do believe it's Vance McDonald. I think, he, even <laughs> I though he's gonna say it. I was going to lead you in with it, but I was like, you know what? Let's just see if he says him again. I'm not the only guy hyping him, but I, I feel like his ADP has stayed soft all summer. And I just, to me, he is the guy who is this best position to make that leap. And I think he's just going to be a great value and someone I'm very, very excited to have as my starting tight end this season. Uh, it will be very bad for me if he's not good. I mean, uh, there will be tweets uh, at me that I will deserve. But t- just on paper, I think his case, it's, it's almost open and shut to me as the guy most likely to make that leap. So I, I got to say, I got to say my boy Vance. Just Kyler Murray and Vance McDonald. Yeah, on unfortunately, I don't know how. Somehow my two flag players have become a quarterback and a tight end. Uh, not really the way I would have drawn it up, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty much all in on both. So thoughts and prayers to me. I like Jared Cook, and I don't think that he's going to succeed in the same ways that he did last year. It's been a long time since Breeze had a good tight end, really since Jimmy Graham. I think there was like one good Ben Watson year in there for fantasy, but it, really it's been since Jimmy Graham was there. And after they signed uh, Cook... Sean Payton kind of came out and admitted as much that they were really excited to get him, that he could become really the the second downfield threat in that offense. With Cook, he had 68 catches last year, almost 900 yards, six touchdowns. And with the Raiders, the reason I say I don't think he's going to succeed in the same way is with the Raiders last year, he had over 100 targets. I don't think that's going to happen this year, but the efficiency is going to improve in the Saints offense. Catching passes from Drew Brees definitely helps. And as much as I said, you know, negative things about Breeze's fantasy value, I also said he's still a good quarterback. So if I don't end up with Kelsey, Kittle, Ertz, Howard, Ingram, Hunter, which, you know, I think are, to me, the clear top six, depending how you feel about Vance McDonald, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm gladly going to take Cook. And because he's going cheaper than uh, that group of, you know, Howard, Ingram, Hunter, I've tended to end up with him on, on quite a few teams because I've gotten him in, you know, the seventh or eighth round oftentimes. And he's another one of those guys that has that top five upside. So I don't mind Vance McDonald either. I actually put that in my notes. That's not something, you know, I'm not just agreeing <laughs> with you here, but uh, both those guys have a lot of upside in the middle rounds and I like both of them. They do. I think Jared Cook will uh, outperform Hunter Henry too. And it's a little weird. I mean, we've been disciplined to say I'm a little surprised Jared Cook has not gotten more hype. Uh, he is going to a hyper-efficient offense, like you said, and just an offense that needed kind of another big target like that. Uh, so I, I totally agree on Jared Cook, and I think he'll be a great kind of up in the upper end of the mid-range tight end ones. Awesome. That is all for the show today. Pat, been really fun, man. Glad we were able to find time to uh, to talk before the season started. Always my pleasure, and yeah, great talk, and uh yeah, yeah, we we I think we upped the wattage on the tight end position a little bit this podcast. So. Absolutely. Well, right now I'm I'm wondering how long we went because I would be very interested after everything we said about the tight end position at first if this was the longest podcast of these four preview podcasts. If we somehow normally the tight end one's a little shorter because it's just a one off position. It'll be interesting to see if this one's actually longer than some of the other positions. I have a way of making a podcast longer, so I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> no worries at all. It's great. It's been good talking, man. As I mentioned, make sure you're following Pat on Twitter, at RotoPat, reading all his content over at Roto World. Go check out the Score Fantasy Football Draft Kit to see today's updates. Make sure you're subscribed to alerts from the NFL Fantasy News section on the Score app and to the podcast wherever you're listening to us. You can also follow me on Twitter at Justin Boone. Big thanks to Pat. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening. And we will see you next time.
said leave on time My baby said leave on time Leave on time with me